Well, Northside family, good to be with you. And can we just take a moment just to thank God for an unbelievable day and just time of worship? You know, I love it. I love that we went ahead and skipped spring and we're already in summer. And uh, that was quick. That was like a week. And uh, no, but my name's Nate. I want to welcome you. And we have so many things just to be grateful for today. God's love and his grace and his mercy. And I just want to encourage you, even if you're not a somebody who likes to sing, I mean, when we hear those words and we sing those words and we think about God's faithfulness over the last thousands of years, that you have a God who wasn't just faithful five, 6,000 years ago, you have a God who is faithful to you today. And you have a God who is with you today. And that's why we're doing this series called Saints and Struggles. Because when you look through the word, the word saint all throughout the scripture, oftentimes we begin to think, oh yeah, St. Paul, right? He wrote some of the New Testament, you know, and St. Peter, yeah, he was one of Jesus' disciples. But what you find when you look at the word saint all throughout scripture in the book of Daniel, in Psalm, in Ephesians, in Revelation, the word saint always is to represent God's followers. And now here's the thing, for you and I, we don't, you know, some of us go, Nate, I ain't no saint, right? You know, you're like, if you really know me, I am no saint. And this is oftentimes what we begin to identify with is this, we identify way more with our struggles than we do with what Jesus calls us as his saints, as his people. See, it doesn't mean that you and I are perfect and just like fly around on a cloud with a harp. But this is what happens when you and I become followers of Jesus. He transforms us from the inside out and we become more than what you and I are right now. The only thing is this, as Jesus transforms us, it doesn't mean that you and I won't struggle. Uh, last week, I went and played golf with some buddies, and uh, uh, one of the guys that I was playing golf with, he's a military dude, like his biceps are as big as my head, and uh, for some reason, I always feel real safe, and you know, and uh, when I'm around him or whatever, and, and we were golfing this last week, just kind of celebrating Easter and all that God's done, and, and we got out of our golf cart on one hole, and right when we got out, this golf ball comes and smokes him right in the back of the leg. And the, the foursome behind is hit into, I'm like, you hit the wrong guy, right? Hit me, because I'm going to be like, what am I going to do, right? You know, like no Popeye here, right? You know, and, and, uh, but they hit the wrong guy. And we're like, a struggle's about ready to happen right here on the golf car course. And thankfully, the Lord took over and restrained my friend. And, and he went and, and he didn't get in a fight or anything. But just in this moment, it's amazing how we can be saints. We can be walking in the ways of the Lord. And one incident... One struggle can totally transform us like into the Incredible Hulk, right? We become just somebody totally different. And today and over the next couple of weeks, what we want to talk about is how do we navigate that tension? That we are new creations in Christ and yet you and I struggle. And what we're going to do over the next several weeks is this. We're going to look today, we're going to look at the Apostle Peter. And we're going to look at failure in his life. And we're going to look at how Jesus helps him walk through his struggle of failure. Next week, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and the struggle of temptation. He's open and honest about his struggle with temptation. And here's the thing, guys, all of us in this place, all of us struggle. And this is what we know. We talked about it last week. It's this. Last week, we talked about how every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And here's the struggles we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. Today, we're going to talk about failure. Next week, we're going to talk about temptation 
The week after that on Mother's Day, we're going to talk about worry and anxious because I know there's no mother that deals with that, right? You know, and not just moms. I know this. We all deal with worry. And there are people in the scriptures that deal with worry and anxiousness. On May 14th and 15th, we're going to do a real honest talk about depression. Because oftentimes it's something in the church that we feel bad about talking about if we struggle with that. And you just need to know that your Savior knows what's going on in your life. And he wants to walk with you in that. We're going to dive deep into that. We're going to talk about our struggle with approval. We're going to talk about our struggle with suffering. And here's what I want to just put on your heart and on your mind is this. I want you really to pray over the next couple of weeks, not just that this series would be for you, but that this series would be for somebody close to you as well. This is what I believe, that God has put people in your life that are struggling, that need the hope of Jesus. And as much as you don't feel like you're qualified, as much as you don't feel like you have all the answers, what you need to know today is this, is that God is always working through broken people to bring his healing into the world. And I just want to encourage you over the next couple of weeks to be praying, God, who are you putting in my path? Who do, who, who do I see struggling that Lord really needs to know who you are? Because we talk about how every saint has a past and every sinner has a future, but here's what we gotta understand about the future with Jesus. Moving into the future with Jesus always requires us to face our struggles. We wanna move forward and we wanna move into the future that God has, but I'm telling you, the only way that we move into the future that God has for us is that you and I face our struggles. Some of you are like, oh boy, I knew I should have slept in today, right? Because you're going, I don't want to face my struggles, Nate. I know, but here's the thing. God wants to move you into the future that he has. But you and I have got to be honest. we got to be honest about our struggles. I've seen this illustration that has resonated deeply with me because oftentimes the struggles that you and I have, we see them on the surface and so we try some behavior modification. Okay, just don't lose your temper. Just don't get angry. Oh, okay, just don't do this. Okay, just don't thank this. Here's the illustration that has resonated deeply with me over the past couple years. It's this. It's an illustration from Pete Schizero in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And this is what he said. He goes, here's actually how we move forward. It's this. Oftentimes, the iceberg is a great representation. We know the struggles that we have on the surface. But he said, actually, how we change what's going on on the surface is we pay attention about what's going on beneath the waters. See, the struggle that you and I have, we see it bubble up on the surface. But if we're really going to do something about it, we've got to get deep into the water. You know, the Titanic, it didn't sink because the boat hit the top of the iceberg. The Titanic sunk because it hit what it couldn't see. Oftentimes, the struggles that you and I are dealing with, we may have never even identified or said or known that there's something under the water going on in our heart. I love what Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5 says. Listen to what it, the writer says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. It says, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters. You need to know your heart and your soul is deep waters. And it says, but a man of understanding draws them out. Somebody with the spirit, somebody who knows Jesus. This is why I love godly counselors. This is why I have a counselor because I'm going, help me make sense of this. Help me draw things out in me that I can't even put names to. 
Now, here's the thing, if we can be honest, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but a lot of us, we're afraid of deep waters, aren't we? Like some of you, you don't even go in the ocean because you're like, I can't see the bottom. And if I can't see the bottom, I ain't going in there, right? It's not even the ocean. Some of you are like, I don't even go in a lake, right? I, I don't, you know, and some for good reason, right? You know, but here's the deal. So a lot of us, if we can't see the bottom, we don't want to go in there. I, I remember uh, for Ruthie and I, our 10th wedding anniversary, we went on a cruise, never been on a cruise before. And to celebrate our 10 years, we went on a cruise and we went to this place. And one of the excursions we could do uh, was to go snorkeling. And they took us out to this area and they drop you out in the middle of an ocean. Never done that before. I'm like, okay, I mean, I've got a life jacket or whatever and still a little, little freaky. But here's the thing. It was 40 feet deep, but you could see all the way down crystal clear. And you could see the fish and everything else. And they said, now here's the deal here. They go, this is called the library because you can see all the schools of fish, all this other stuff. They go, but if you swim over there, that's called the shelf. And we're like, well, what's the shelf? They said, well, it goes from 40 feet deep here to 1,000 feet deep there. And they're like, so if you want to go see it, you can. I'm like, I ain't afraid of no shelf, right? So I'm like, you know, I begin to swim over there. Ruthie's like, yeah, you go check out the shelf, right? You know, and, and I swam over there, and I, could re I can still visually remember this moment of being able to see the bottom and, and all these fish over here 40 feet deep, and then it just goes to absolute nothing. I mean, I began to see like jaws, right? You know, like I began to see all sorts of things that, that weren't even there, but I was just, just hovering over this, this deep water, this abyss. And I remember just this sense of like, just kind of awe and scared to death. And I quickly went back to the library, right? And I'm like, I don't think I like the deep waters, like I think. But here's what the scripture is saying is this, for you and I to move forward, we're gonna need to spend some time in the deep waters of our soul. And we're gonna to need to spend some time being honest about the struggles. Today, we're gonna to look at the apostle Peter, one of Jesus's best friends. And today, what we're gonna look at is this, his struggle with failure. Because what they go through and what they went through are the same things that we go through. There, there's something about failure that's unnerving to us, isn't it? You know, for some of you, there's failure that defi has defined your life for some of you, you live a life of just a fear of failure. And I love what one psychologist said about this. They said, the power of failure is this. If you're going to give negative feedback to somebody, they said this, you have to give five positive compliments for every one negative thing you say. Because here's what psychologists know. There is massive power in failure. It's more than we know. And there's a struggle with failure that goes on deep in our life. And oftentimes what happens is this, we're dealing with failure in our heart, but it comes out like this. It comes out by us condemning ourselves sometimes. Sometimes it comes out with shame. Sometimes it comes out with anger and it's even our own failure. We just don't know how to process it. What I want to do is in John chapter 21 today, Jesus is going to help walk Peter through his failure and it's going to help us walk through our failure. But what I want to do real quick though is go to Luke chapter 22. We're going to put up on the screen if you don't have the Bible with you or your Bible app open. But what I want to do is this, I want us to look at the moment of Peter's biggest failure. Here's, if you know a little bit about the apostle Peter, one, we know he was a disciple we know he goes on to preach and lead the church in the book of Acts, and he goes on to write First and Second Peter. But here's what you and I oftentimes or other people know Peter as the most. It's this. It's the man who denied Christ three times. Isn't it amazing that Peter does all these great things, 
but we know him more as a failure. And listen what it says here in Luke chapter 22. I just want to walk you through it. This is the moment that Peter disowns Jesus. This is his biggest failure moment right here. It's in Luke chapter 22, verse 59. He's already denied Jesus twice. And then this is what it says in verse 59. It says about an hour later, another person asserted to Peter, certainly this fellow was with him for he's a Galilean. They're in Jerusalem like, you're a Galilean. You gotta be with Jesus. You gotta be with this guy who's on trial. And it says this, Certainly you're with one of him. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know that guy. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Remember, Jesus had told him, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And it says this in verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. You feel that moment of failure? We know what the look is, right, in life. You ever got the look from your parents growing up? Right, I got that a lot in church. Like they didn't even have to say anything. They would just look down the row at me. And then it wasn't just a look, it was always a head turn, wasn't it? It was like the look and the head turn was like, uh-oh, I better dial this bad boy back, right? And sometimes it's not parents, sometimes it's your spouse and you're just like, really, right? You know, like it's just this look. Can you just feel the weight of this moment? That Peter doesn't just fail, but it says this, that Jesus turned and he looked straight at him. Some of you are turning red right now just for Peter, right? You're like, you just hate that sense of fear of failure here. And then it says this, then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept Bitterly, deep waters. Man, how do you and I navigate these deep waters of failure? How, how does Peter navigate these? I mean, you, you didn't just fail Jesus. I mean, you, you failed him to his face. Can I ask you to do something with me today? Would you just be honest in this moment? We know the weight of this moment for Peter. Would you just be honest? honest with Jesus for a moment right where you are and just come identify to your mind what is your biggest failure today and I'm not talking about maybe something that you've just done in the past maybe that's it maybe the biggest failure in your life is this it's a fear of failure moving forward and so you're like no it's not even the past it's this that I am gripped by the idea that I cannot fail for some of you the way that you were raised, people set you up to fail. Parents actually didn't love you well. And so you raised in an environment that just, you were like, I got to fight against failure the rest of my life. Because this is what we find here in Peter's life. One, we see this deep moment, this deep water of failure. But here's the good news for you and I today is this. With Jesus, our failure is never final. This is the good news that we have in Jesus we don't have to act like we don't have a struggle, a fear, a fear of failure or failures in our life, but it's this, that with Jesus, our failure is not final. Because here's what you're gonna find when you follow Jesus. This is what gives me relief. You know what the prerequisite is to follow Jesus? 
you have to admit you're a failure, <laughs> right? A lot of times in the world is this, you only get into certain clubs if you are not a failure. Jesus says the only way to get my club is to admit that you are a failure. See, he works in a different way. And what he's gonna do in Peter's life here is this, all of this failure, it causes all sorts of issues in Peter's life. But when you walk with Jesus, your failure is not final. The only problem is this, Peter began to believe that his failure was final. That's why in John chapter 21, this is what it says he does. Jesus goes to the cross and he dies. And this is what Peter does and a couple of the other disciples. In John chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, listen what they do. It said, afterward, Jesus appeared after the resurrection. Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. And Peter says this, I'm going to go out to fish, he told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. And so they went out and they got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. You ever failed and then you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go do what I'm good at, only to fail at that as well. Right, you know, you can just see this going on in Peter's life because if you, if you don't know this about Peter, Peter was a fisherman and it was on the Sea of Galilee that Jesus showed up and he said, Peter, I want you to come and follow me. And he says this, because I'm gonna make you into a fisher of men. And here's Peter back on the Sea of Galilee. Just picture this for a moment. Peter has failed Jesus. He's denied him to his face three times. He feels like an absolute failure. And what he does is this. He goes back to the Sea of Galilee, and here's where Peter's at. All he is is surrounded by his failure. I can only imagine Peter sitting here going, yeah, yeah, that's where Jesus called me to follow him. Messed that up. It was on the Sea of Galilee that Peter walked on water. I can imagine he's going out there fishing going, I walked on water right over there. Messed that up. And now he's back to fishing. And he's going, I can't even catch a fish. How do we navigate these waters of failure? See, here's what we find in Jesus is this. That Jesus always meets us in our failure. This is the good news for us today. Oftentimes, we're trying to navigate the water of our failure. We're trying to navigate the water of our fear of failure. But Jesus always meets us in our failure. This is what we've got to be reminded today as we struggle with this. And we're going to struggle with it our whole life. But we've got to remember Jesus meets us right where we are. Listen to what it says in verse 4. It says, early in the morning, after they've caught nothing, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Now, let me just look at this word here for a second. Jesus' first words to Peter and to his disciples who have betrayed him, who have left him, he doesn't say this, failures. Failures, yeah, the guys who left me at the cross hanging out there. Have you any fish? What does he say? He doesn't say failures. What does he say? Friends. Do you believe that in your failure, Jesus still wants to be your friend? Friends, haven't you got any fish? No, they answered, but thanks for asking. And then he said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Don't you love it when people try to tell you what to do, what your career's at? You're like, who is this guy out here telling me what to do, right? 
But when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because the large number of fish. Not only in your failure do you believe that Jesus wants to call you friend, do you believe that Jesus still wants to bless your life in your failure? See, this is where we've got to meet Jesus today. Because we'll say stuff like this, I'm not worth blessing. I know, guess what? When Jesus died for us, we weren't worth blessing then either. But he loves to pour out his grace on our life. And it says, when they did, they were unable to haul in the net of the, because of the large number of fish. Then, it, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer, outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing in the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards and when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net wasn't even torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. For there is a power here when you and I meet Jesus in our failure. What's fascinating is this. John, the writer here in chapter 21, is actually going back and replaying all of Peter's failures. What's amazing is this. He, he says that they go back to the Sea of Galilee where Peter's ministry started, where now he's a failure, and he goes back there. And when Jesus called Peter in Luke chapter 5, he sent out and told him to put their net in the sea after they hadn't caught anything, and they catch a ton of fish, and he does it again. And then not only that, the only two times in Scripture it uses the word fire of burning coals is this. It's right here in Peter's restoration, and it's there on Peter's night where he denies Christ. See, Jesus is always stepping into our deep waters of failure because he meets us there. And there's something about the power of a meal, isn't there? When somebody sits down and meets with us. I love what I heard one pastor say. He said this. He said, oftentimes we believe in correction, but he said, here's what we need to understand. You got to have connection before correction. You gotta have connection before correction. I love what Bob Goff, one of my favorite authors, says about this moment and what he says about Jesus. He says, when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't make a speech, he made breakfast for his friends. I just love that. That you have a savior who goes, I wanna meet you in your failure. I don't wanna call you by your failure. I wanna call you my friend. I wanna meet with you. I want to bless you. See, they weren't worthy of the 153 fish that they got to catch, but guess what? Jesus wanted to bless them anyway. Today, we know our failure, and Jesus goes, I know your failure, and I want to bless you today with my presence and my power in your life. I want to turn you more into my image and likeness than what you define yourself by your failure. Question for you and I today and throughout this series is this. Have we really allowed Jesus into the deep waters of our failure? 
Have we really allowed him in to the spaces, the deep water, the dark places where oftentimes we can't see the bottom of, and that's why we don't want to explore the deep waters because we know this to ourselves. Maybe we've not said it out loud, but we'll say this. I don't know how dark and how deep that goes. And so I don't even want to go there. And Jesus goes, I know, but I want to go there because what I want to do is this. I want to move you into your future. See, Jesus meets us in our failure. And then this is what he does. This is what I love about Jesus. He forms us in our failures. Jesus always forms us in our failures. I love what one commentary said about this as I was studying. It said this, failure is a lot like manure. It stinks, but that's where growth happens. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm like, yeah, that is right, right? Like failure, man, it stinks. We don't like it. But here's what we know about manure. Manure makes things grow. Manure gives life to things. And we go, man, it's disgusting and we don't like it. And I know failure is there. But listen what Jesus does. He begins to pour into Peter's life. And he goes, I know you're running away because of your failure. I know that this has eaten you up. You're letting yourself be defined by that. But listen where Jesus takes him. He begins to form him, to transform him in his failure. In verse 15, listen what Peter, what Jesus says to Peter. It said, when they had finished eating breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, he calls him by his first name. He takes him back. Simon, son of John. Do you truly love me more than these? What he's talking about is this. Peter made a promise. Lord, even if all the other disciples abandon you, I will not abandon you. What he was saying is this. God, I'm going to be more faithful than these guys. And all Jesus says is this. Do you love me more than them? You tried to compare yourself to them and try to walk your way through that. Do you just love me more than them? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Then Jesus says this, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says this, that Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Here's what's amazing about Jesus. He forms us in the midst of our failure. But here's how he forms us. Oftentimes, here's what we believe we got to do in our failure. We got to fix it, don't we? That's how we get out of our failure. You fix it. And if you can't fix it, this is what you do. You work harder. This is the jacked up mentality of I've had in my mind. It's this. If you work hard enough, everything works out. And if things aren't working out, what do you do? You work harder. Here's the only problem. What happens when you and I can't fix our failures? See, this is the joy of Jesus in this place. He just simply tells Peter, he says this question, do you love me? Will you let my love begin to form you out of the failures? Three times he says it because three times he walks him through the times that he denied Jesus. This is why the passage says this, that the third time Peter was hurt by it. 
And that word hurt isn't that Jesus came to crush him, to punish him. It's this. If you've ever had like a wound and you go to the emergency room, you know what they do? They hurt that wound, don't they? They hurt that wound because they've got to clean the wound or it will never heal. And Jesus in this moment is going, Peter, I've got to take you where it hurts in your life because I've got to bring healing into it. Sometimes in our failure, we've got to let it hurt, not because Jesus is going to punish us, but because he's going, I want to bring healing into it because you can't fix this failure. But only through the power of the cross and the power of his spirit can he fix what's broken in our lives. And then this is what I love that Jesus does. He doesn't just say, love me. He says this phrase, then feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Did you know that in your failure, God wants to bring opportunity? I don't know about you, but some of the most impactful two words that I've had people speak into my life, it's this, when I've told maybe uh, some people who have been mentors in my life or pastors in my life, when I've told them the struggles that I'm going through and man, I wanna become so much better than this and then they'll just hear me and then they'll say this to me and it's so powerful, they'll go, Nate, I hear you and then they'll say these two words, me too. Me too. Yeah, that's my struggle too. Yeah, I'm wanting to grow there too. There's something humbling happening in this passage where Jesus says, Peter, I want you to love me, but then here's what I want you to do. I want you to go take care of my church. I want you to go minister to people because here's what happens when you and I are honest with our failures. We're humble people, aren't we? God begins to work through our humility. God begins to do a good work in our humility. This is why I love our care ministry on Monday night here at 6.30 in the West Auditorium because this is what we have. We have people who lead our grief share ministry who have gone through grief. We've got people who lead our divorce care ministry who have gone through divorce and they know the pain. And what they've seen is this. They've seen God bring healing into it. Our Celebrate Recovery, it helps people with hurts, habits, and hangups. It's a national program, but here's the prerequisite to lead it. You have to, become, you have to be a recovering addict to lead it because this is what they know. If you haven't gone through it and you haven't had Jesus heal you, you actually don't know how to help people who are in recovery. See, this is the power that Jesus does in our failure is he gives Peter an opportunity. Today, instead of being so marked by your struggle and your failure, could you be marked by the opportunity that Jesus wants to bring in your failure? Here's the different way that Jesus ends this passage. This is what he wants Peter to get a hold of. This is what he wants you and I to get a hold of today. It's this, is that failure is our time to follow. Failure is not final. It's this, failure is our time to follow. This is how Jesus ends this conversation with Peter. He says this, he says, Peter, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to Peter, two words, follow me. These were the two words that was recorded that Jesus said to Peter at the very beginning of his call was this, follow me. Jesus meets us in our failure and he says, I want you to follow. The life of Peter here, it's this. He was telling Peter, listen, you're gonna do incredible things, but here's how it's gonna go for you. 
And he ends up being crucified upside down for his faith by Nero. But what we find in the life of Peter is this. We find a man who was marked by failure, but that failure doesn't become final. What's amazing is this. If you turn one page over in the Bible, if you just turn one page over from John chapter 21 and you, and you turn it one page over, what you find is this. You find Acts chapter 2. And what you find in Acts chapter 2 is this, the Holy Spirit comes and Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and he stands up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches Jesus and 3,000 people get baptized that day. This failure has become a follower. This man who went back to fishing because he thought it was all over in one page, God began to transform his life. And he says, Peter, just let me into the failure. Dude, I want to form you there. I want to take you into new places in this world and new places in your life. And I want to give you dreams that you don't even have. And I wonder today if your whole thing in this series is this, is that over the next couple of weeks, God is asking you to turn the page. To say this failure has always marked me or this fear of failure or I'm always fighting against failure. He's going, I know, what I'd love for you to do is this. I'd love for you to follow me because I want to turn the page in your life. I want to introduce you into a whole new season. A season that you haven't even dreamed of, but a season that I'm dreaming of in your life. If you've never turned the page, if you've never turned your life over to Jesus, I want to remind you on May 20th and 21st is our baptism weekend. We have people, we have staff members, we have leaders here who want to talk with you, who want to begin to navigate the deep waters of failure in your life so that you can live with hope and freedom in Jesus. Because Jesus turned the page in Peter's life. And he wants to turn the page in our life today. Here in a moment, we're gonna take communion. I wanna invite you to get that out, the bread and the juice. Hopefully you grab that on the way in. And we're gonna sing here in a moment. But what's incredible is this today, you know, we take communion here every weekend to remember our hope, but it's this. I hope you hear communion fresh in a new way. Here in a moment, when we take communion, we remember the, the body that was broken and the blood that was poured out on the cross that saves us. I hope here in this moment, you hear these words spoken over you. Friends, come let's have a meal together. See, your Savior Jesus, he didn't just come to meet you in your failures. He came to save you and lead you out of them through the power of the cross and the resurrection. And so right now, here's what I will invite you to do. We're going to take communion, then we're going to sing. It's this, I just want you to be open and honest with your Savior and say, God, it's one of two things. Thank you for saving me from my failure because it's, I'm reminded of it constantly, or it's this, today, God, I'm giving you my failures. No more me trying to fix them. But Jesus, I want to be formed by them. Because with Jesus, our failure is not final. Let me pray for us today, then we'll take communion and sing. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you navigate the deep waters of our soul. 
And Lord, we're praying that over the next six weeks, God, as we journey maybe into some places in our hearts and our minds that God, we've just kind of blocked off, we've walled off. Father, we pray for a renewal in our hearts and our minds. And God, not just for us, Lord, we pray for that for our community, for our friends, for our families, not just here, but even God across our country and across the globe, that Father, we would just be found marked by you. And that's why, Lord, we stop to pause to take the bread and the juice. Because you really have come to save us in our failures. So today, Jesus, would you mark us fresh? God, would our hearts and our minds be recentered on you in this moment today, Lord? And we pray all of this in your name. And everybody said together, amen. Let's take communion together and then we'll sing.